0: Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman has issues. Simply the best for less at WindowsKansasCity.com. We saw this coming, and the warning signs were everywhere as the Chiefs finally—I mean, finally—lose to the Denver Broncos, twenty-four to nine, in what was one of the most amazing stretches in Chiefs and NFL history: complete domination over the division and complete domination over this particular opponent. But. The walls had been cracking for quite some time in Chiefs-Broncos games if we wanted to pay attention to it. And the key thing to remember about this loss is this is not college football. This is not a sport where you go 17-0 and you have to run the table and they have to vote you into a playoff and say you're the prettiest team or whatever. No, it's a it's a sport where you just get to keep playing. And if somehow the Chiefs are able to get to 13-4, and they will no doubt be the one seed in the AFC and right where they need to be. And then it's all about... Roster development, injuries, status of key players, and all those things as you enter the postseason. It is a long, grinding season where anybody can beat anyone, especially in division games. We knew this coming in. The signs were everywhere. Two weeks ago, on October 12th, the Chiefs at Arrowhead playing against the Denver Broncos. Do you remember this? With six minutes to go in the game, the Chiefs are up one score and needed a four-minute and 12-second drive to kick a field goal to win that game. They struggled the entire game and we're leading 16 to 8. It didn't look much different than the game in Denver. The difference was the turnovers and the easy touchdowns for the Broncos. When you muff a punt, give them a short field and give up a quick score, you're in bigger trouble than they were at Arrowhead where the game was actually a little bit cleaner. All right, Patrick Mahomes is human. We get that. He can get the flu like anyone else. We get that. Using that as an excuse to me, Is lazy. The flu is a bargain, by the way, at this point. Five starting quarterbacks were injured and knocked out Sunday in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is going to be healthy. He's upright. Everything is a go. If this were NASA, we're ready for launch for the rest of the season. The Chiefs play the Dolphins on Sunday in Germany in what should be a tremendous game, and I expect the Chiefs to play their best game of the year. I think they beat the Dolphins. I think everything is reset, and we look back on the Denver game for exactly what it was a sloppy game that had to be incredibly hard to get up for. The weather was bad. The opponent you've owned. You think you're going to go beat them. You're looking forward to the Broncos in Germany, or if the Dolphins in Germany the next year. You've got all these things taking place. The Chiefs played an absent-minded game. Five turnovers, and now the Chiefs are minus four on the season. They came in even on takeaways and turnovers coming into this game, and they lost the battle 5-1, to and somehow, somehow in the fourth quarter, still had a chance to win. Skymore is not Jerry Rice. We've learned that. And it may be at the end of this year, time to move on from Skymore. Maybe not. Two giant plays by players not named Mahomes, although there were many because there were turnovers everywhere. Mahomes is turning the ball over to record rate. This is not the Chiefs that they've been in the past. In fact, Mahomes in six of his last seven games against the Denver Broncos has a quarterback rating of 95 or lower. In his last four games against the Denver Broncos, not just Sunday, in his last four games, the last two years, the Chiefs somehow went three and one against the Broncos when Mahomes had seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. Add the fumbles, and he's actually negative to touchdowns with turnovers. Again, Mahomes, the last two years, four games, has had more turnovers against the Broncos than touchdowns. And somehow the Chiefs went three and one. You had to see this coming. The Broncos games are always queasy and uneasy. And this indeed was the case. It's a very difficult thing. It's a very difficult thing to just keep beating the same opponent over and over and over. And it's hard to get up for these games. And concentration clearly was very low by this team. The muff punt by Hardman was, was inexcusable. We ask, why not just let it bounce? He's at the five-yard line. Well, you can, but he did have a defender behind him that was going to be downed at the one. So the big question is, why not just fair catch it? What are you doing with the game on the line because you made some play last week when you don't have any room to return this thing? You think you're going to bust one thirty yards again? This is Andy Reid's philosophy, okay? If he has one thing that really brings out the best in his skill position players, it is also the worst in them. And that is they really don't care much about negative plays. It's okay to spin and run backwards. Mahomes does that all the time. We see that all the time, and he makes plays off of it. Sometimes he doesn't. Most times he does. It's okay for McCole Hardman at the five-yard line to try to run with the ball before he catches it, which is what he did. It was a rookie mistake from a player who's a good player, not a great player. Would they have been much better off fair catching there? Of course they would have been. Was this game a disaster from an attentive standpoint? Sure. It also serves as a fantastic wake-up call that you better be ready to play every week or you can be defeated. The Chiefs are too good and too proven to blame this on Mahomes having the flu or something lazy like that. That wasn't the case. This was a team effort. Mahomes was bad, but he's been bad against the Broncos before. He wasn't particularly great against them a couple of weeks ago. He was better two weeks ago, but not a lot better than this game. The difference was the turnovers. I think he only had one two weeks ago against the Broncos, but he's done this before. And Denver defensively has done this to the Chiefs before. They lost a game it's not college football. It's the pros. Nobody in the AFC has a better record than the Chiefs. They control their own destiny. and They take a giant step by beating the Dolphins on Sunday. They get to seven and two, past the halfway mark. The Chiefs are the gold standard in the AFC. And one really bad day in Denver, in rotten weather and unattentive play, isn't the end of the world. Chiefs will be just fine, folks. Stan Weber will be here in just a little bit to talk about that. We're also going to talk some college football as the Kansas Jayhawks get their biggest win in close to 30 years, knocking off the number six Oklahoma Sooners in stunning fashion. And I called this all week last week that I thought KU should be favored that they would win the game. And let me compliment KU even further on this win. I thought they would play a lot better than this, All right, KU didn't play well and they won this game over Oklahoma. Let me I can't state that more emphatically. Kansas did not play well, and they won the game. Jason Bean was 15 out of 32 with two interceptions in this game. KU had three turnovers. It was a sloppy game. They did a ton of things really poorly and really badly, and they beat the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, you may think, well, what is he talking about? Well, I'm not impressed with Oklahoma. I've never thought they're winning the Big 12 this year. I don't think Brent Venables can coach at all. And ultimately, Kansas won this game because Lance Leipold is a better coach than Brent Venables, period, full stop, end of statement, that's it. Brent Venable. I've never seen anybody in a second half misuse their timeouts worse than Brent Venables. They burned one in the third quarter for no reason. I think it was a first and 10 that they burned it on. They burned one for no reason in the third quarter, but it didn't matter because they wound up with a ball at the end of the game and had one left that was completely meaningless that they used, that they didn't need, that they used, because he didn't want to go into the post-game interview room and say, well, you left one on the board. What's up with the timeouts? The real disaster for is after already giving up a fourth down conversion to Kansas on the drive that put KU ahead to win the game in the fourth quarter late. Oklahoma's calling card supposedly is their defense, and here's Jason Bean who struggled all day, and he's had a couple of turnovers, and here we go. KU's fourth and long. They convert one all right, okay, you convert one, but you got to go down and and win the game, right? Fourth and eight now, Kansas still isn't quite to midfield, I don't think. It's fourth and eight, and at least five Oklahoma defenders, while Kansas is lining up to snap the ball, are looking over at the sideline with their palms in the air, looking at their head coach, what defense are we in? What defense are we in? They don't know what defense to play in. That entire drive, they were playing the the prevent defense like they were up nine points. As if to say, well, we can give up the touchdown here. It won't really matter because we're up nine. Just let's run some clock. It looked like that's the defense they were in. On fourth and eight, they were in no defense. There was no defense called by Oklahoma on that play. Now, again, good coaching by Kansas. They're playing fast. They're at the line of scrimmage. They're out of timeouts. So there's really no reason to dilly-dally. You might as well get up and run your play and try to catch the defense off guard. And I'm watching these guys from Oklahoma, and they're standing there as the ball is snapped. They're still looking at the sideline to their coaches on what their assignment is when the ball is snapped. And it was the easiest fourth and eight conversion in the history of college football. Kansas would then go on to score, and Oklahoma goes down. The goalposts came down, very short order, within an hour or so. They were in Potter's Lake, not too far from Memorial (laughs) Stadium. It was a fantastic sight, and KU is having some season. It's important to remember, Kansas has two losses because the Big 12 race is really heating up. And it's possible somebody with two losses makes the championship game. What Kansas would now root for is obviously to run the table, okay, run the table, and then have OU in the mix somehow because they have the tiebreaker, or even have OU just win out at this point and beat everybody else and have only one loss and KU could go play them again. So it's funny in this league, when you beat somebody, they become your favorite enemy and you want them to go win. But quite a win for the Kansas Jayhawks. They held Dylan Gabriel to 170 yards passing. They got a pick six in this game. Kansas defense, while it wasn't great all day, it's exactly what we described last week. Get a takeaway, limit Dylan Gabriel's passing. They held him to 170 passing. Oklahoma ran the ball very well. KU ran the ball beautifully, by the way, 225 on the ground. But get a takeaway, get a big takeaway, and Kansas was able to do that. That's fantastic. They got three takeaways. The Kansas defense, defense, not their calling card. They took it away three times, and that was the difference in this game as Kansas gets a big win. K-State has been unbelievably great two weeks in a row. I mean, remarkable. 41-3 over a good TCU team a week ago. 41-0 over a Houston team that's already won in the Big 12 this year, beating West Virginia, who won again on Saturday. This is not some slappy, all right? Houston may not be the best of the Big 12, but this is not some non-con. This was a 41 to nothing beatdown in all three phases by Kansas State and there is nobody in the country right now playing more complete football than Kansas State. Does that mean they're better than the best teams? No. I'm just telling you against the teams that they are equal to or or their talent is better than, they're playing complete football against those teams and they are dominating them. 41 nothing is ridiculous in today's college football in a conference game. It doesn't happen it doesn't happen. And get this statistic since 1996, when the big 12 was formed, this is the 15th time Kansas state has won since the big 12 was formed by scoring 40 points or more themselves and giving up zero. Kansas state has 15 shutouts, shutouts since 1996 Scoring forty or more—that is just a remarkable statistic. It doesn't really apply to this year all that much. I and it was easier to do twenty years ago than it is today. Will Howard, fifteen out of seventeen passing, hundred sixty-four, two touchdowns, no interceptions. K-State ran for a buck eighty. Avery Johnson got in the game and played okay after an early game turnover. And the unbelievable turnabout for Kansas State has really been assignments on defense. It's not necessarily personnel. They they brought along some freshmen. Playing in the secondary, they've got a freshman-wide receiver now that's coming on. So they've brought along some young talent that have learned how to play in the system. But Kansas State is in the right place now on defense. Earlier this year, the secondary was confused. Receivers would get behind them, and they were giving up easy scores. They were getting torched for big plays. Not anymore. Houston had 95 yards passing in this game. They had 113 yards rushing. This is a team that was averaging big numbers coming in, and Kansas State locked them down and got the shutout. Kansas State's game of the year is now Texas on Saturday. The loser of this game is out for the Big 12 championship. Out. The winner is not necessarily in. Okay, the winner is not necessarily in. The loser is out. Make no mistake about it. This is simply an elimination game Saturday. The K-State-Texas loser will not be in the Big 12 title game. It's Georgia week for the Missouri Tigers. This is going to be a blast. It's going to be an absolute blast as Old Mizzou is taking on Georgia. Georgia is playing at a remarkably high level, and it's, of course, a little bit frightening. We know that. It kind of stinks when you're getting ready to go play somebody and they look like this, but indeed, that is what the Missouri Tigers are charged with this week to go take on the Georgia Bulldogs and see how they fare. Missouri will be a heavy underdog in this game, but everything is on the line. The division is winnable if Missouri can win this game. They played Georgia great last year. I'm looking forward to it. Stan Weber coming up with his thoughts. Also, Sporting Kansas City gets a win in the playoffs, a historic win in the playoffs on Sunday night. And our final final later will be an Arizona Diamondbacks baseball fan that had an unbelievable prediction. You won't believe this story. Stay tuned for all of it at KKHI. Brought to you by Fry Orthodontics. Online at fryorthodontics.com. Did you see Dr. Jeremy's TV commercial yesterday? Right before Chiefs kickoff with those giant running teeth through the field. It's fun, and they make it fun to go get your treatment at Fry Orthodontics. That's just part of the deal. There's no extra charge for making it fun. 14 locations now in Lawrence, fryorthodontics.com, where your smile is just the start. Advantage Termite and Pest Control is your new pest person. It's real simple. Call Aaron and his family, great family-owned business, at 913-768-8989 for your home or your business. They'll handle it anywhere within, I don't know, 15, 20 miles of Kansas City. They've got a wide coverage area. They'd love to work with you. We've never used anyone else, and we've never, ever had an issue with critters around our house. AdvantageTPC.com. And don't forget, you can get signed up for annual service next year, and they also do some other things. They do lawn care and, and all kinds of different home services. If you'd like to inquire about those, just call Aaron and his team at Advantage Termite and Pest Control. They're online at Advantage. TPC.com. And Dr. Kip Van Camp is helping many of you. I keep getting emails from folks that are going to see Dr. Kip, and he's using regenerative medicine to help you feel better, whether you're just lethargic and run down, or whether you have joint pain, or you have shot issues from taking the COVID shot. Some patients are Alzheimer's and Parkinson's onset, and he takes your body's tissue and lets it work for you. Yes, they do stem cell tissue. Uh, medicine. They also do blood spinning, patch therapy, ozone therapy, all kinds of things that are not big pharma pills and shots. That's what ideal health is. Let your body work for you. This could work for you. Go consult with Dr. Van Camp and see if it's something that might work for you. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm simply saying if you haven't fixed what ails you, you might want to have a consultation with the man. 913 745 5300 IdealHealthKC.com. Stan Weber is here. It's our football feast. Let's jump on it. we got a long season ahead at KKHI. Hit it! The KK Has Issues Conversation is presented by Buck Roofing. Online at rbuckroofing.com. Sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. Let's waste no more time and say hello to Stan Weber and get the experts' thoughts on everything that we saw this weekend, a crazy weekend of football. Hello, Stan. Good Monday to you. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great, Kevin. Uh, It's a little sad that we're two-thirds of the way through the college football season. I hate to say that or think about it, but I was talking to one of my kids, and they reminded me, we're not even halfway through the NFL season. I said, okay, let's go. Here we go. It's a great time of year, though, isn't it, for sports fans with the World Series, NBA, hockey, college basketball on Wednesday night, Kevin, I'm going to be on ESPN plus the version of TV now in K-State basketball. It's hard to believe if you're a sports fan, you're getting just about everything right now. It
0: is. It's the busiest time of the year and it is so much fun. And of course the headline in these parts is the Chiefs laying an egg against the Denver Broncos. And you know, it wasn't that much different than the game two weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, the Chiefs led 16 to eight with six minutes to go and needed a a four-and-a-half-minute drive to kick a field goal to put that one away on a day where the offense didn't look all that great. Patrick Mahomes now the last two years has seven touchdowns and seven interceptions against the Broncos. They never look quite right against the Broncos. I think more stunning than finally losing to them was the fact that they won all those games that were really hard to win. How do you break this one down in an ugly performance by the Chiefs?
1: The things you said about the competition is really not the view we want to take today thinking about this, but the fact is, is how do they win 16th straight over Denver? I mean, rivalry games, division games are when it gets tough. Teams figure you out. There's a comfort level. There's a certain edge that they have playing against you. And we've seen it with Denver at times, especially this year. Sean Payton has gotten a rap right now that he's not modern coaching capable. Uh, Kevin, you kind of, everyone, everyone loves Dan Campbell, like bite your kneecaps. Remember three years ago that yeah. the Detroit Lions coach? But they don't like Sean Payton because he was so mean to hack it coming in, so disrespectful. But the fact is, Kevin, he's going to teach a toughness in a different Denver Bronco attitude. And you saw it two weeks ago kick in and he really had the advantage of just putting that right in their face all the time of uh, the Broncos players and, and looking into their pride. You want to get beat by these guys again? I mean, really? Uh, you're going to let this happen or you're going to finally break the streak. So I think that it was set up well for Denver to fight and claw and, and they were focused. The weather changed. The NFL players shouldn't be affected by weather. But, you know, when I heard Patrick Mahomes got sick, Kevin, I did think, uh, wow, this could be different today. I actually got that flu at the beginning of last week. And, whoa, for 24 hours, it was not you know a, a situation where I would be wanting to go out and play football. So I thought he probably would be slowed a little bit. Uh, the fact that he fought through it and still made plays and did some things, I, I, I can't believe it but Patrick Mahomes can't do it by himself, you know, and they need the other guys. The Broncos came out, got the breaks with five turnovers. Uh, if Cole Hardman doesn't fumble at the five, you know, Chiefs are likely still going to come back and win that game. But we've been building to this a little, Kevin, if you listen to the podcast and, and follow along closely, uh, I think that Patrick Mahomes has been doing extraordinary, out of even being the best in the NFL at quarterback, had to do more to get things done for the Chiefs. You've been hearing me say that. Uh, that his play is not even just the best; it is even better than that. Scrambling and running, he probably couldn't do that as well. But when he doesn't bring that, Kevin, the offense is not scaring the opponents. Okay, it just isn't. When the Chiefs get in the red zone or close to the goal line, if it's third or fourth and one, they get cute and go side to side. You know, they they don't have an ability to come right at you and make you pay and turn third and shorts into easy first downs. Right? We've been living with that. Uh, this whole season, and and the Chiefs kind of play that football under Andy Reid for a long time now. But if you're a defensive player preparing for the Chiefs, are you scared of any of their wide receivers? No, Travis Kelsey's the guy. Other than that, you're not scared of the wide receivers. The running backs, Pacheco makes a good run here or there, but those running backs are not dominant. The tackles are not anything other than kind of league, league average guys for me, and guards and centers don't win you many games, Kevin. So those guys can be solid, one of the best in the NFL. So who's it on? Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and an improved defense. That's how the Chiefs are going to have to win. And if they turn the ball over, you know, that throws a big chink into that armor.
0: Well, you make excellent points here, on as you always do on all fronts. Let's not forget this is still one of the top offenses in the NFL. All those things are true, but the Chiefs still have one of the top offenses. They just don't have their best offense. All right, we've seen, but they do have their best defense. And it was pretty good on Sunday again. Russell Wilson in two games against the Chiefs passed for 95 yards and 114 yards in the National Football League, okay? So the Chiefs have something. Andy Reid made a decision, I'm trying to remember exactly when this was in the game, to punt on like a fourth and four at the 45-yard line. It was a good punt. The Chiefs downed him, I think, at the nine-yard line. It was nice. And the discussion that we had what we were watching was, well, why is he doing this? I said, because he has a defense that he's never had before. It's going to be interesting to see how he coaches this team and what he does differently. And the first thing is, with his offense, because this is really ultimately what it was, you can't turn the ball over five times and win in the NFL. The Chiefs are now minus four in turnover ratio. That's an unusual position for them, All right? You've got, especially when you have a really good defense, the Chiefs should be plus in turnover ratio, and they're not. To me, that is the one thing that he must emphasize, and it's also the one thing that goes most against what Andy Reid is, because he's this coach that tells all of his players, I want to see your personality. Go shine. Go make a play. Apparently, he wants McCall Hardman at the four-yard line to catch a punt and try to run with it before he catches it. I don't get it, but that's the way he coaches. So if you're going to coach that way, these players will have to execute and be more careful about this. And perhaps even worse than a turnover, Skymore isn't Jerry Rice. Mahomes throws the most beautiful pass of the day right in his hands, and he just flat drops it. They've still got a chance to win the football game, and he drops it. So sometimes it isn't just about the turnovers, it's the missed opportunities. I feel like we've done this every year, Stan, since Andy Reid got here. They got to clean this up. They got to clean this up. And then they do. They lost a couple of years ago to the Titans and looked terrible and never lost again. Last year, they went and laid an egg against the Colts. It was awful. That was a dreadful game. Chris Jones got a penalty. They had turnovers. It was sloppy and stupid. That's what this game was. I have no doubt they're going to fix it. Do you?
1: No, no problem at all. And you said a good thing. Like their offense still functions at a high level. Uh, so compared to the rest of the NFL, you know, we we talked about this last week. Compared to the rest of the AFC, there may be more differential this year than most years. You know, the Buffalo Bills aren't on your uh, right on the on your heels, just nipping away, saying you better play at a high level, or we're going to go to the Super Bowl or the Cincinnati Bengals, what they did. In the past so the Chiefs are fine they're going to come back from it no doubt you could argue that Patrick Mahomes has thrown some balls this year that he hasn't thrown like that interception he had uh, the first one of two was absolutely legitimate I mean that was just a bad throw underneath that you don't see from Patrick Mahomes but he has taken his game to such a high level you mentioned their offense is very very good I agree but I think part of it is Patrick is doing so much It's off the charts. So they do have to rely on their defense, which is fine. I want to make another comment about Denver before we go away from the Broncos and and what they did. First of all, Sean Payton is going to teach a toughness that makes Denver better. That started to show through. They played with purpose. He is going to do some things that are not modern football to get things done. Who runs the ball more than they pass, Kevin? What's the best defense against Patrick Mahomes? Keeping him on the sideline. So the Denver Broncos actually do invest, and we've not seen any coordinator do this. They ran the ball 40 times and only passed at 19. Two-thirds to one-third running the football. Usually 50-50 is a good investment in the running game. So you had a style. But two weeks ago, I mentioned this to you, Kevin. The Denver Broncos, better than any team I've seen against the Chiefs, rushed the quarterback in a way that kept Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. And every time he faked one guy out, there seemed to be a second guy at a pretty decent angle to cause him havoc, to make him stay in the pocket. I said that two weeks ago. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if anybody can replicate that. But they're not just having a spy sit back there. It's not that easy, Kevin. Something they're being taught, and again, when you play a division foe and you get to study them all the time and play against them all the time, you can figure these things out a little bit better. But they did absolutely the best job of orchestrating a four-person rush and keeping Patrick Mahomes under pressure enough and in the pocket. Patrick Mahomes, after the game, said everyone's going to try to replicate what Denver did. Kevin, I do not see anybody else who's come close to being able to send a four-man rush and keep Patrick off balance like that. So I don't think they're going to replicate that. That goes back to your question. This is more of, hey, it's a division foe. They got after you two weeks ago, played so well at home, had everything go their way, including Patrick being ill and not 100% dropping a punt, five turnovers. Are you kidding me? There's no way you're going to win that game. Dick Vermeule taught us that there's 0% chance you win a game when you turn it over five times. So that was the story of this game, but that does not go to the next game in the next game. The Chiefs are really good on defense. That's so helpful. Uh, they got a lot of players. They got some injuries at the linebacker position that helped Denver, right? Because Nick Bolton is a run stopper who wasn't out there. They can, Tranquil can play good linebacker, but he's not going to be quite as good as the run against the run. Willie Gay then got injured. So they were able to continue to pound the ball just enough to turn this game upside down. Do we portray that this is the new Chiefs? We need to be worried. Absolutely not. You said it well. The Chiefs will bounce back, and they're going to be a dominant team in NFL and one of the best in the AFC. Big news on the National Football League front, though, Kevin. Big news, because you and I spoke about this last week. Who really concerns us in the AFC? Who's going to make a run and be there at the end to cause the Chiefs some problems? My simple answer last week, if you boil it down, said a lot. But what I really said was maybe Jacksonville, right? And I still confirm that with that nice win where they were better than the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh every down of the game. So Jacksonville's growing up, Kevin. But the biggest news in the NFL this weekend, headlines. Joe Burrow is Yeah, he is. So, to re-answer our question, the Bengals only have three losses. They played Buffalo this Sunday night. Buffalo's got a chance. I don't trust them, but if they can win this game against Cincinnati, and remember, they got whipped in the playoffs. This is a big burden on their shoulders. If Buffalo can win, put them back into the thought process, because they should be, right? We should answer this question so simply. If you're going to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC, and you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you need to be Buffalo, and you need to be Cincinnati, end of story. But that's not where we are mid-year. I think those teams have a chance to wake up. If Buffalo beats Cincinnati on the road, then you'll say, welcome back, Buffalo. And Cincinnati's not going to die now, Kevin. They're going to be dangerous the rest of the way. If Cincinnati beats Buffalo also, then the easiest answer ever, Kansas City, Cincinnati, two best teams in the AFC, two best teams in the NFL maybe uh, going at it. But that is the giant news. The Bengals look like themselves and whip San Francisco they're the dangerous team
0: well th- what's exciting for the chiefs is the schedule that they have okay they the, the teams that are out there right now you look at cincinnati buffalo and miami maybe they play miami this week in in uh germany and i do want to get your thoughts on that game but they have cincinnati and buffalo at home at arrowhead if i'm not mistaken they play them both in december new uh, new year's eve i think is the cincinnati game where they come calling so they've got these teams on the schedule they can get the tiebreakers with both of them by beating them at Arrowhead. I think Cincinnati, personally, I think they're the biggest threat, but this week's threat is the Miami Dolphins, and I like the Dolphins. I think they're a good team. I think they're kind of maybe where Cincinnati and Buffalo were two or three years ago or where the Chiefs were Patrick Mahomes' first year when the Patriots came into Arrowhead and won the AFC title game there and went to the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs are about to turn this thing around and play their best game of the year with keeping in mind the opponent. okay? They played great against the Bears, but that was the Bears, so it doesn't really count, but when you factor in the opponent... I think the Chiefs are about to play a really, really good, crisp game and beat the Dolphins. How do you assess this matchup against Miami this week? And what does it mean if the Chiefs can then get the tiebreaker over the Dolphins?
1: Well, first of all, I think you summarized Miami so well that they're kind of like the Chiefs were Patrick Mahomes' first year, outrageously dangerous, led by this guy named Tyree Hill, who scares you on every single play. But down after down, they're not dominant. They're excitable. Uh, and and they can explode right in your face, and they could come back from any deficit and all those things. But Miami's not a great football team. They haven't gone through the rigors of knowing how to win when you're the favorite, being consistent and all those things. So what happens in Germany? I do think there are some questions, at least in my mind, of what version of these two teams we get, because Miami, when they played the best teams, have not been able to match up. But I don't know if Andy Reid is going to be able to just say, "Uh, okay, here comes the Chiefs' concentration, and he thinks they're good, let's go take care of business. I think there's enough variable here, Kevin, going to Germany. Uh, th- this, again, as a Chiefs fan, you're saying, how is Miami not coming to Kansas City? This is a Chiefs home game this weekend, Kevin. Why isn't Miami playing at home? I would think of all the conclusions would be the same as you just said if it were an arrowhead. I would think the Chiefs would bounce back, take care of business. This flight to Germany and some of the things that are going on right now Uh, I just wonder, what version of the Chiefs are we going to get? What version of the Dolphins? And this is a highly variable team, not the Chiefs. The Dolphins are highly variable.
0: I'd be with you except for what happened yesterday in Denver. The pedigree of this team is too good. We we know what the Chiefs are. They're champions. We know they're winners. I think, look, I've never been one, hey, it's good to lose one. But look, what happened yesterday happened. This is going to be a completely focused football team. I have no doubt about that this week.
1: Well, I'm glad you say that you have no doubt because that's one of the things I wonder about. They are traveling two days later, if I understand correctly, later than Miami. So which is the best strategy? Stay home, get concentrated on football, head over and take care of business, or get acclimated to the, the country, the time zone, uh, some of the distractions, get them out of your way, and then get back to football. Very interesting takes on this. The Dolphins are saying, hey, we're heading over there. Let's get used to what's going on. Let's get used to everyone saying, I can't believe how big those American football players are walking around every place they go, right? In public, people are just going to be staring at them, talking to them, uh, wanting to get autographs, everything else. They're going to be royalty uh, over there. And Miami's going to say, let's just get used to that and get ready to play a game. The Chiefs are saying, it's a football game. Let's stay home. I'm glad with Patrick being ill, but they got to stay home a little bit that he doesn't have to jump Uh, on a plane almost immediately. Yes. I think that's a big factor. Like let's just get settled and back to chiefs football, take as many variables out as possible.
0: And why not change the clocks two hours every day for three days before you leave? Just change the clocks. Change them here. You start two hours earlier every day, everything you do, you stay on schedule for three days. You start two hours earlier today, two more hours earlier tomorrow, two more hours earlier on Wednesday, you get on your airplane and you go. And now you're on their time. I don't, I, I think it's overdone. You know, people travel for business all the time. Stan, you're in the business world. People do this all the time. They jump time zones. They fly around the world. They make it happen. This is football. You get the, They got a full week. I, I ain't buying it, man. I think this is going to be a locked-in team. I think there's a Tyreek Hill factor to this game. This defense is going to be jacked, wanting to slow him down. I think the Chiefs get three takeaways and win this game by 11 I think the, I think the Chiefs are going to play great on Sunday.
1: I really do. And the Chiefs are Chiefs are better than the Dolphins. Yes, That's the they good are. News. They, they they really are. Now this is the NFL, right? How much is better I mean? Right. Seven points, ten points. I mean, we're not just blowing this off like some old fashioned college game. The Chiefs are better. I'll give you that. And normally, you better default to complete focus and best production when the variables seem to be out there with Andy Reid. Why wouldn't you believe that until proven otherwise? I have no problem leaning your direction. But as I sit here, I just don't have the conviction that I can't get my arms around what Miami (laughs) might do. I mean when when Tua threw the ball to Tyreek Hill, I don't know if you saw that highlight. Yeah. It's just over. He was double teamed. Yeah. He was double teamed. And if Tua puts the ball on his number, he's going to be five yards ahead of somebody, Kevin. That that's just the way it is. The Chiefs defense can be really, really good. He is going to be five yards ahead of somebody. So if Tua drops the ball in and they get a free 40 or 50 or 70-yard touchdown, you know that swings the odds. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. Miami's not as good as the Chiefs. Therefore, the Chiefs definitely should be the favorite in this game. Well,
0: every player has a weakness, and whatever Tyreek Hills is, Andy Reid knows it better than anyone. So I, I like that. I mean, I just like <laughs> exactly. that going in. I mean, you, that doesn't mean they're going to stop him. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good game or score a touchdown or whatever. But, you know, if you can limit Tyreek Hill, just limit him, You you've probably got him beat. And, you know, the other thing is, Nobody's been hitting Tua this year, all right? If you can get to Tua, they, they, I got a text from my buddy Lee Sterling, who lives in Miami. Did you know the Dolphins yesterday, at one point in that game, all five starting offensive linemen were out? All five. They don't have one left. I mean, this line is decimated. It's just sitting there for attack Tua. They've got injuries. they got yeah. all kinds of problems on the offensive line. Go get him, slam him to the He's turf a couple happening. of times and see what happens.
1: He's all or nothing, gives a decent and how are you going to bet against Patrick Mahomes? He was ill. He looked like, maybe because I knew he had the flu, and because I experienced it, I go, he looks like he's got a little bit of the hangover. So, you know, don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I'm with you.
0: All right, before we move on to college football, I want to let you know our college football coverage with Stan Weber is brought to you by our friends at Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC in Excelsior Springs, home of the lifetime warranty. If you're interested in a new Chevrolet or GMC, there's no better place then Roberts Robinson. No matter where you live, you don't even have to visit the showroom. You can call Tim at 816-826-1563 and say, can you find it or can you have it built? And the answer is yes. At Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet, GMC, in Excelsior Springs, we are professional grade. The Finch Knife Company is online at FinchKnifeco.com, featuring the Flint series of pocket knives right now. with a three-inch steel blade, satin finish, titanium clip, what a great Christmas gift this is for yourself or for someone else. heck with Christmas, get one for yourself. But if you're shopping for your dad, your son, a relative, a friend, finchknifeco.com. Keep life from getting dull. And Back 9 Development is your custom builder anywhere in Kansas City and to the West, Lawrence, Topeka, Manhattan. T.J. Vilkanskis and his team at Back 9 Development from start to finish give you the greatest customer service experience anyone could ever have building a home or a commercial property online at back 9 developmentcom Stan we start our college football with the Kansas Jayhawks who I, I I said just a little bit ago this sounds crazy but I I predicted the win I I thought they would beat Oklahoma but mostly because I'm I don't think I thought Oklahoma was way overrated coming to this game I thought they had a great win against Texas great they did that but I just don't believe in Oklahoma much and I don't think Brent Venables is a very good game coach I think he demonstrated that on Saturday I am surprised that Kansas won the game. As poorly as they played, I thought they'd play better and win this game. They Kansas got away with their their C plus game and beat Oklahoma. Am I reading this wrong?
1: Well, I don't know about the C plus. I can't just say that without uh, evaluating it. But yeah, they did not play a flawless game and just give you the best of KU football after a week off. Right? They didn't play the week before. You say, oh, they're going to be all ready, gear up, and not make any mistakes. Well, that's not how it unfolded. Jason Bean threw a couple of interceptions. Uh, Kansas gave up the lead after that delay. When the delay occurred, uh, people were asking me, Who do you, who's advantaged by it? And I said, Oklahoma by far. There's still half the second quarter left. They've been shocked, outplayed by Kansas. They need to go in, reset, uh, know everything that Kansas is doing. Come out, the crowd will filter out a little bit because the weather's going to be bad. There won't be quite as many people there with the same level of passion. Just get the half by a uh, tide get into a rhythm, and let them know that you're Oklahoma. All those things could come to happen. And sure enough, right out of the gate, Oklahoma played well, took the game. The fact that Kansas fought back when Oklahoma thought they had things in order, had a whole hour extra time to get their heads on straight and get ready to play KU, and they still outplayed them all game long, was incredible. But my summarization of this game, Kevin, because I believe in Kansas, I believed them in a long time. I know Oklahoma uh, is not nearly as good as their record shows. But a team that knows how to win and has good confirmation of that early in the year is very dangerous. They beat Texas head-to-head. They got a very good quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. The thing that I said about this game going into the game was any weather conditions that take away from the passing game will advantage Kansas because Kansas's running game is way better than Oklahoma's. So if you have to lean on the running game a little bit and you get Daniel Hyshaw and Devin Neal a chance to get going, big advantage for KU. So let's see how the weather comes into place. But a lot of times, weather doesn't affect players nowadays. So I said, the difference to me is, how well will Dylan Gabriel play? He is in the Heisman Trophy discussion as a quarterback at Oklahoma. He's a long-term veteran who started at UCF. He did great things for OU last year, Kevin, even though they were a 6-7 and team. I mean, he, he did some amazing things to make them that good. This year, he took the team on his back and went and ran and threw and beat Texas. So I thought the pressure was on him. If he played a great game, give OU the victory. If he just played a good game, then flip a coin. And if you have any chance of not having him play his A or A-minus game, then things would swing Kansas' way. And if it's the weather, he was a little off, or just KU getting credit for doing what they did, Kevin, Dylan Gabriel was not that good. 14 of 19 for 171 yards, and that included a Hail Mary throw up into the wind at the end of the game where he just said, we, we have no chance to win unless we can complete a pass and hope we can catch a pass, and they did for 39 yards. So Kansas's defense really did a good job of slowing down Gil- Dylan Gabriel. And with that, maybe you say exposed Oklahoma. Oklahoma's done a great thing of, of being undefeated at this point, beating yeah. Texas head-to-head. But, Kevin, I had them going into the season having at most going to the KU game one loss. Their schedule was laid out where there's no chance right. that they were going to have trouble with Arkansas State, SMU. Oh, that tough game at Tulsa, at Cincinnati, Iowa State at home, UCF at home. Kevin, what have they done? I mean, they've gotten that they think they're Oklahoma, but they're, they're only just—they're not. They're not. So, hey, they're congratulations, not. Kansas. It, it, they could play for two five, two more days and Kansas would play them even every yeah, down. I that's agree.
0: This that. is how good Kansas is. I agree. I, I think uh, it's too hard to say Oklahoma's a fraud. They weren't very good last year, but they were not nearly – there's no way they're the number six team in the country. They're not even close to that. I don't think they're going to make the Big 12 title game. I think they're I think they're going to keep losing, and one of the things that I really saw was was not to pick too hard on Brent Venables, but I don't know if you remember this play on the game-winning drive that Kansas had. They'd already converted one-fourth down. It was fourth and long, and then they had a fourth and eight, and – you know, Venables had burned a timeout in the third quarter when he had the ball at one point, but he's got two timeouts left. It's fourth and eight. He literally has five defensive players with their palms in the air looking over the sideline like, what defense are we in? What defense are we in? And Kansas snaps the ball and gets the easiest 20-yard completion you've ever seen to a wide open receiver on the right sideline. It was insane. And how Venables didn't call a timeout and say, look, this is the ball game here. It's fourth and eight. Let me get my defense right. This is our calling card as defense. He's a defensive coach. If we get this call right here, we win this game. They're standing there flat-footed looking over at their coaches. I've never seen anything like it. Like, the guy doesn't know how to manage a game. And I, if, if you don't know how to manage a game, you're going to be in close games. And if you don't know how to manage, you're going to lose a lot. And I think that more than anything else, this was Lance Leipold is a better coach than Brent Venables. That's what I saw.
1: Gary Barnett is a good buddy of mine, and I introduced him to Sports Radio 810 WHB, Kevin, on the College Game Day show. Um, And so I, I know Gary really well, and he said something that I think is fine as a theorem. You don't know what you need to know or think as a new head coach until your third year. And you kind of start saying, oh, wait a second. I've been involved in all these activities for two years, but I really didn't contemplate what the variables really are, what needs to be done. So I am making no comment about Brent Brent Venables and where he is going to be as a coach, how good he is, and all those things. He's a great defensive coordinator, but it's hard to be a head coach, Kevin. And when you're doing it at Oklahoma, where there's no room for error, to me, this isn't about Brent Venables at all. Mm. It's about Lance Leipold. Okay, Lance Leipold and his staff, that's Kevin, fair. that's fair. Are killing it. Yep, are killing it. So you know, I don't know in my business or my life or my, you know, I don't want to be compared to you know, someone who is hitting on all cylinders like Lance Leipold and his coaching staff is, these guys have been together forever. Yeah. They know what shade of gray, Kevin. They they could finish each other's sentences, and well. Kansas is so well coached. that there, There's no doubt what you're saying. As I watched, I could watch the last quarter and a half pretty well because K-State's game had finished, and you could just tell Kansas was so finely tuned in their coaching that it was, a, it was an advantage down after down after down. Just every little thing they were doing right, and it just shows you where they are in their development. Their okay. offensive coordinator, Cole Todnicki, he is incredible, he Kevin. Is. He is so good. And the easiest prediction I made this year, the easiest by far, was that Kansas' defense would be better because no one talks about Brian Borland, their defensive coordinator. People act like you know he doesn't know how to coach. Well, he's been with Coach Leifoldt all six years at Buffalo. He was a defensive coordinator for eight years at Wisconsin Whitewater. Kevin, he's in his 17th straight year, at least, with Lance Leipold. These guys have a plan. They're sticking to it, and the players know it. So there was a differential. I don't know if it's coaching or what, what it is, but Kansas's players were doing everything right. Even when Oklahoma had chances to win down the stretch, Kansas was doing everything right, and Oklahoma was missing here and there. Just like including on that fourth down play where the receiver moved. You know, is that coaching that the receiver receiver moved? I don't know. I'm not going to blame it on a coach, but I'm telling you, Kansas is finally focused.
0: All right. And there was a
1: difference in that game.
0: I'm going to give you my prediction, then we'll move on to K-State. And this is a 90% prediction, okay? Remember, you heard it here first. This is Leipold and Kotelnicki's last season together. Period. Full stop. If Leipold doesn't take the Michigan job, and apparently they are locked in on him, if he stays... Codal Nikki gets a job somewhere. He's going to be gone. If Leipold leaves, Codal Nicky becomes the head coach at Kansas. This is their last year together. And and you know what? That's the way it's supposed to be. And and Lance Leipold would want it that way. Seriously, I, I they're they're great together. There is no question. This is their last year together. There's 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 the prediction of the day. Let's move on to the game you called in Manhattan. Kansas State the last two weeks has defeated TCU and Houston by a combined total of eighty-two to three. Wow for the 15th time since the big 12 was formed Kansas State scored 40 or more in a shutout win. Is there anything they're not doing well right now? I mean these last two weeks have been very very close to perfect football in all three phases.
1: It has Kevin uh, last year, thanks at near um, Halloween weekend, okay the closest game to Halloween last year, K State beat number nine ranked Oklahoma State 48 to nothing and they never look back. That was the Will Howard coming out party. The whole team took off and looked completely different. This year's team comes in at 5-2, and two, and there's plenty of reasons to be disappointed. That dud at Oklahoma State, you, you know, people still shake their head, like what happened to K-State on that day? And then Missouri losing on the road to Mizzou, who's the 14th team in the country right now, could have beat LSU. They're playing great football. How about Mizzou, K-State, KU, Chiefs? Woo! We're the central of great football right here, Kevin. Um, but, the, you know, yeah, K-State has two losses. But do you realize in the first seven games of the season, in, num- in year number five, for Chris Kleiman, five and two is the best record K-State's ever had at that point. So there's a developmental stage that is going on in K-State football. It's very, very normal under Chris Kleiman. And at this point, right at Halloween last year, shut out City against OSU, and K-State's defense took off, played on a whole nother level. We saw the offense hit their gear in case they went on and played in a Big 12 championship game and won that game. So can those things happen again? Well, it starts out with the biggest nemesis that they have, the Texas Longhorns, on the road. They've lost five straight at Texas. They've lost six straight against Texas, period. No one in the organization that's coaching or playing has ever beat Texas. So it'll be a heck of a challenge this week. But they are hitting on all cylinders. And you think about this, Kevin, shutouts in modern football. You said TCU scored only three. That almost was a shutout. So put two games together like that are really, really good. But just think about two shutouts in a season. K-State did it last year as part of their Big 12 championship run. They did it this year, Kevin. The last time K-State football seen two shutouts or more, two seasons in a row, was 1930 to 1936. That's the last time. And we didn't score the kind of points we do now. So this defensive system that they put in is 3-3-5. And Joe Klanderman, you talk about a guy that doesn't get a lot of pub being a superstar coach. Joe Klanderman, along with Chris Kleiman being a defensive guru, they really have this 3-3-5 humming right now. The players really understand it. They started with some new safeties playing their skew here, Kevin. And they got exposed a little bit with an easy touchdown against Missouri. Remember that Luther Burden sure. touchdown catch of. 48 yards. I mean, it looked like, what the heck? How did he get that wide open? Well, that's not happening anymore. And that's making a big difference. The guys are starting to hit their stride. They moved safeties uh, midway through the year. They said, you know what? I think we got guys in the wrong place. Let's move Vijay Payne from the free safety kind of back way away from the ball. Let's move him up closer to the line of scrimmage. Let's move Kobe Savage and do the opposite. Have him move back. You got a player in Marquise Siegel who had to sit out the first game was a North Dakota State transfer. He is playing as one of the best safeties in the Big 12. Those guys are hitting it. And then Jacob Parrish, Kevin, wasn't available against Oklahoma State. But boy, he has become a lockdown cornerback. Keenan Garber played wide receiver. He's one of the fastest players on the team the last few years. Moved to cornerback at the end of last year. Now is getting some starting under his belt. And so things are really coming together on the defensive side. This is an intricate defense. You see the blitzes they brought against Houston. Yeah, they're beautiful. They were coming from everywhere. They're beautiful. Can they knock off Texas and get the the Longhorns rhythm off base? You never know what you're gonna get with Texas, man. Those guys will play a game against Alabama on the road and be better than them, and then they'll play against Wyoming and look like what the heck's going on? Or for three quarters against Houston, Houston was better than Texas after they got a twenty one to nothing lead. So I don't know which version of the Longhorns we're gonna get. Even a quarterback, there's some question. Quinn Ewers, I think, is one of the best improved players from last year to this year. But he probably isn't going to be available. So they go to Malik Murphy. Uh, They also got Arch Manning uh, available. So can K-State throw off a young quarterback and make him make a mistake and go off and win? I'll say this. I think K-State's about ready to play the best football of the year, Kevin. We've seen it for two weeks, and it replicates exactly what happened last year. Last year at this time, we had quarterback issues. Was Adrian Martinez going to play? Literally right before kickoff, Adrian Martinez was likely going to be the quarterback against Oklahoma State last year. And when they talked to the two quarterbacks, and Coach Colin Klein and Chris Kleinman talked to him, and through discussion, Adrian said, well, I can do it. And they go, well, would it be better for Will to be 100% than you just give it a shot? They said, yeah, let's do that. And Will Howard took off, and K-State played great football the rest of the way. We had quarterback issues at K-State two weeks ago, Kevin. Everybody, everybody, at the K State Nation had opinions, strong opinions, about how the quarterback play should turn out. That's all behind us now, too. Both these quarterbacks are going to get yeah. their chances. Yeah. Both quarterbacks going attack, to the, attack. The team is not affected by it at all. And Will Howard's pretty good. He's doing everything. That didn't right. mean every Johnson. That didn't mean Avery Johnson right. can't be Patrick Mahomes and pass up Al- Alex Smith. You get it? I'm I not do. bashing Avery at all, Clark. at all. But I'm not going to disrespect Will Howard. I didn't do it wasn't even tempted at all um, after the Oklahoma state game. He is good, but okay. now the fans are trusting the coaches again. Yeah.
0: You Nobody know, has got a perfect handle on this thing. And it was actually, I, I texted a couple of buddies during the game on Saturday. Avery Johnson had the fumble early in the game. And then they put him on the bench for quite a while. I'm like, best thing could ever happen. Cause they got this game. All right. You don't want that happening against Texas. All right. Great day to teach a kid a lesson. That was absolutely perfect. Chris Kleiman. He is handling it beautifully. Before I let you go, Stan, uh, real quick here on Missouri-Georgia. I know it's very early in the week. Mizzou's going to—Bulldogs the Bulldogs looked phenomenal against Florida, and that's Florida. You know, Florida looked great against Tennessee, but they've had games this year where they don't look very good at all. But my goodness, Georgia didn't seem to miss Brock Bowers at all. Missouri's going into the snake pit here, or the dog pound, I guess is a better way to say it, to face Georgia. Do they realistically have any shot of winning in Athens?
1: Yes, they do have a shot. Uh, First of all, they had a whole week off. They'll be locked and loaded. It really makes a difference for college football players, Kevin, to get a double dose of every key you're supposed to read, every tape. Their adrenaline will be flying high. It's great. When you play a team like Georgia, Kevin, and you walk into the house of a national champion, it isn't intimidating. It brings out the best in you. Missouri's dangerous. They don't mind playing against Georgia. Look at last year's tape. They have nothing to lose and everything to gain. What will Georgia's focus be? This is about Georgia. You and I had spoken about this. Will they have an after effect of playing against the Florida Gators in that party environment? I mean, they were focused, and they got after Florida. But do you think they respect Missouri now? I don't know. I mean, they may just think, we're so much better than Missouri. Are they even in the SEC? I mean, we just played Florida and whipped them. If Georgia lets their guard down, Kevin, this is not easy for these guys to whip up on people. Go yeah. study the first half of the South Carolina game at home. South Carolina was better than Georgia, so there's a chance. But if Georgia plays focused, no, I, no. I think the, Georgia, I think the tough how part, much does Georgia respect Mizzou? What's your prediction on that? Well, then I'll tell you how that game. Well,
0: I think the out. tough part for Mizzou is Georgia's players remember last year in Columbia, and Missouri dominated that game for 58 minutes. So I, I don't think it's like, oh, we got these guys. We beat them 72-10 to 10 last year. I, I, I think I, – I, plus Georgia's just better. So they they obviously have that. So I, I think it's going to be really hard for Missouri. Really hard yeah, for Missouri, Missouri in this game.
1: Missouri's good, though. and They are good. How about yes. the trick play? Oklahoma State's back was to the wall, Kevin. they had, When I went down on a Friday night for K-State at Oklahoma State, and they'd lost to South Alabama at home, and they got whipped, they wanted Mike Gundy out. That was the thought process at the tailgates at OSU. You know what Mike Gundy did in the first 10 plays? He had like four trick plays against K-State after a week off. So, I mean, just Eli Drinkwitz, Coach Moore, the offensive coordinator, they could come out and just throw everything at Georgia and see if it sticks. Yep.
0: Man, That's if they could get through
1: the first quarter, Kevin, if they can just get through the first quarter and it's seven to three, either direction or something like that, Missouri is actually a, a good enough football team to play with them for a long, long time. Don't get me wrong. When Georgia takes the bit, when that dog starts biting, they win national championships, okay? They don't just win a game. They have winning DNA, so it's all up to Georgia. They play their best. Just move on, Mizzou. You're not going to beat them. But will they have a hangover effect after the Florida game? Will they lose focus? Will Missouri run a trick play and get something? Will Luther Burden slip off, slip away and get a touchdown, and Mizzou can start celebrating and creating doubt? There's a chance. It could happen. Yep.
0: Stan, you're the best. We know that much. We get your A game every week. We appreciate you very much. And thanks for all your thoughts on these games this weekend. And what's ahead this weekend?
1: Okay, Kevin. Big weekend coming up
0: in football. Cannot wait. And and somewhere down the road, we'll talk about your Dallas Cowboys, because they were amazing Sunday.
1: <laughs> they yeah. love whipping up on people. When everything goes oh! right, there's no better front runner. <laughs> Do <right>. not take <laughs> the bait. With the Cowboys. <laughs> Thank you, they're buddy. They're dangerous, baby. They are dangerous. If you're an opponent of the Cowboys, yes. watch out. Yes. But they're not reliable. They're just dangerous.
0: <laughs> you nailed it. Thank you, buddy. Have a great week. Thanks, Kevin. All right. He is Stan Weber, and he is without a doubt the best in the business. And that was a whole lot of fun talking with Stan about all these games this weekend and what's ahead as well. I feel like we're really into the meat of the season right now. I mean, this is phenomenal. All right, still to come, a little baseball and Sporting Kansas City. It's all brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging. Online at MedImageKS.com. See what's inside. If your doctor says get an MRI or a CT scan, why wait six weeks? You can get into Advanced Medical Imaging today or tomorrow easily by logging on to MedImageKS.com. MyPillow.com has a promo code of KKHI. It's their top promo code. He's got a half-off sale site-wide as their credit has been cut by American Express and other creditors. Big corporations that have kind of gone woke and liberal don't like doing business with MyPillow. So he's trying to get some cash influx right now into his company. MyPillow.com has discounted everything at their website. The promo code KKHI is the top promo code you can use. Or call 800-923-9034. It's holiday season. Do some shopping. Buy something for somebody at MyPillow.com. And Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch. Online at joslinsjewelry.com. Always great holiday ideas. at Joslin's, the jeweler you'll recommend to your friends and family. Sporting Kansas City, I've not followed very closely this year. Like, not, I mean, I, I read the recaps and look at their highlights on their website and things like that. So they went the first three, you know, February, March, and April, they didn't win a game. They didn't win a single game. They went their first 10 without a win. They became the only team ever to make it into the postseason doing that. They win their wildcard game. Then they go to St. Louis, the one seed. An expansion St. Louis team is the one seed somehow. Now, this conference was all jumbled up. There's no great teams. It's all jumbled together. That's how sporting made it in. Then on a Sunday night at a 9.30 start in 40 degrees and rain in St. Louis, Sporting Kansas City plays its best match of the year, and they beat St. Louis 4-1. Four different players scored goals. Daniel Shalloway put this thing away in the 61st minute to go up 4-1. It was a stunningly great performance, by Sporting Kansas City, which you know has championship DNA in their organization. You want to talk about a team that was awful, that just got better and better and better and better and better over the course of a season, and is really turning heads now? That's Sporting Kansas City. They play at home on Sunday at 4 o'clock against St. Louis, and if they win, they win the three-game series, two games to none, and they will move on in the MLS playoffs. This is one of the most unbelievable stories I've ever seen, truly remarkable. What Peter Vermees has done, one of the great coaches in any sport Kansas City's ever had. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. They were just awful earlier this year, just awful. And he's turned them into an eight seed, dominating a one seed. Just incredible stuff. And our final final comes to us from El Paso, Texas, then California, about the Arizona Diamondbacks. Jerry Grineo, in 2017, was a senior in high school in El Paso, Texas, where the Arizona Diamondbacks minor league team played, and he was such a fan of the Arizona Diamondbacks minor league team, he kept going to the games and going to the games and going to the games, that in his high school yearbook, six years ago, Jerry Grineo wrote as his senior quote under his picture and his name, Jerry Grineo, class of 2017, and his senior quote is, quote, Arizona Diamondbacks World Series champs 2023. What? He called it six years ago that the players he was watching in the minor leagues would be World Series worthy in 2023. That was his senior quote. Everybody's interviewing him right and left. His family has since moved to California or he has, but he's still a huge Diamondbacks fan says he can't go to a World Series game because it costs too much, but he'd love to go. He liter- the Diamondbacks need to call this guy right now and give him two free tickets to a game. This is insane. This guy, his senior quote in El Paso, Texas, not Scottsdale, not some kid in Scottsdale that loves the Diamondbacks. No, no. In El Paso, where the minor league team is, he's watching all these 18, 19, 20-year-olds and says, it's going to take six years. 2023 Arizona Diamondbacks World Series champs. It's in the yearbook forever. The series is tied 1-1. It resumes tonight. It is a fun World Series. Enjoy. That's KKHI to get you started this Monday. Oh, we got some heavy stuff coming up this week. We got all kinds of news stuff we'll be addressing on some podcasts this week. I would direct you to a website. If you want to know what's going on in my world, I would direct you to Tony'sKansasCity.com. There's a story up about what happened this weekend with yours truly concerning the podcast that we put up on Friday evening that played the interview with Joe Carlin and the comments that I made about his opponent. If you want to read more about that, go to Tony'sKansasCity.com. I think you'll find it very, very interesting PoniesKansasCity.com. That's it for this episode of KKHI. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC